This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Right here. Right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles. Ready for next day installation. And all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And uh, today we're we're talking about our first, we're, we're doing a first foray into fast food. Yes. And it is probably the biggest fast food company. Probably. Absolutely. Yeah. In the world, for sure. McDonald's. McDonald's. And I've got to say, more than anything else, you listeners have written in about McDonald's. Yeah, especially international stories yes. about McDonald's. And then as we have uh, read some of those listener mails, more other national stories about McDonald's. There's a lot of McDonald's zeitgeist out there. There absolutely is. And it's come up in a lot of our episodes as well. We talked about it in French food, apple pie, soda, tipping. And our brother podcast, Stuff You Should Know, has an entire episode on McDonald's called How McDonald's Works. Appropriately. Exactly, yes. yes. It is delightful. I totally recommend you listen to it. I mean, also, like, it covers a lot of different material than we're going to cover today. So, right. Yeah. So if at the end you're like, you know, I could really use some more McDonald's. Well, Stuff You Should Know has you covered. They do. So, what is it? Do you, y'all know this one. Yeah, I would guess so. If uh, if you don't, <laughs> McDonald's is a chain of fast food restaurants, and you probably definitely yeah, knew that because you can find them almost anywhere in 119 countries, although not Iceland, last I checked. <laughs> As of 2015, there were around about 36,258 of these restaurants. 
Around 30,000 of them franchised. Um, and of the 350 closures in 2015, most of them took place in the U.S. and China. <laughs> the largest percentage of revenue, 40%, comes from Europe. Mainly the U.K., France, Russia, and Germany. The U.S. comes in second, accounting for 30% of the revenue. And the remaining percent is Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. But uh, sales are not as impressive as they used to be. No, they fell in the U.S. by 2.1% in 2014. And its annual net income dropped 15%, which is a pretty, that's a pretty big percent, to a measly 27.4 billion. Oh, poor. Oh, my goodness. How do they go on? That's equivalent to the 90th largest economy in the world, by the way. Um, This is about a 4% decline in customers, which is about a million people. Hmm. Analysts speculate this has a lot to do with your your five guys, your Chipotle's, you know. All those fast casual kind of dining concepts? Yeah, fast Mm -hmm. casual. And also those dreaded millennials. We ruin everything. We do. (laughs) (laughs) Dylan just gave us a big thumbs down. He's right. Uh Um, So we're the millennial generation is allegedly, supposedly shifting to healthier food. More ethical food is what we're going for. Whether or not we're getting it is questionable. But in the words of global restaurant consultant Aaron Allen, McDonald's has picked way too many fights with way too many people. They're fighting Taco Bell over breakfast and Starbucks over coffee. They're basically spreading themselves too thin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's not that they're not trying to turn things around, though. Oh, no. They've tried several things. <laughs> In 2015, they introduced the Create Your Taste menu to about 2,000 of its restaurants in the U.S. This menu allowed you to individualize... <gasps> Your burger. What? Individualization. That can't be. Which, with your drink and fries, would run you about eight bucks as compared to the five dollars for ordering off the standard menu. But as you probably discerned from the past tense, it's no longer around. Most create your taste menus were replaced by a less robust taste crafted menu. Kind of sounds like uh, glasses. Is it lens crafted? Lens crafted, taste crafted. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I guess it's a similar concept. <laughs> Over the past few decades, McDonald's has been testing out healthier menu options, your fruits and your vegetables, decreasing the portion sizes, lowering the salt content by about 10%, things like that. And since Americans get on average 11% of their calories from fast food, this is nothing to, to sneeze at. That number shocked me. 11% of our ca- I, I, I guess the fast food tends to be more calorically dense than a lot of other foods, but still that, whoo, that's a large number. That is, that is quite, quite a percentage. According to The Guardian, McDonald's serves 69 million people a day, which is more than the population of Great Britain and equivalent to around 1% of the human population on earth. What? A day. Per day. day. Every day. Okay. And I got hypnotized. There's this website called Every Second. And uh, I went to the every second page of four McDonald's, and it was about 75 burgers a second after second after second. And the number just goes up and up and up. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was something. In the U.S., it's estimated that about 65% of customers get their food via drive through which has led to some interesting product innovations like the McGriddles, an on-the-go answer to the pancake. I really feel like I have to make a confession right now. I haven't been to McDonald's since I was four years old. Four? What? Mm-hmm. How I was, have you avoided it? <laughs> I was one of those kids that, like, went on strike. I don't know. I picked a fight with McDonald's at oh. four years old, and I haven't been back. What was the fight about? 
I think it was about capitalism. Oh, I, I was four-year-old Annie. I, I really this... was a troubled child. <laughs> I basically like to pick fights with things that were popular. Oh, like, blah. okay. Um, so I, I don't know what a lot of these popular things are. I don't know, like McGriddle. I don't know. Oh, oh, oh! A, a McGriddle is like an egg McMuffin. It's it's a breakfast sandwich, but instead of having a savory bun, it's a it's a maple flavored sweet bun. So okay. So you can, but it's not soggy from maple syrup. It's just maple syrup it's just flavored. Flavoring. So yeah, okay. McGriddle. Interesting. Hmm. I I, uh, I I don't go often. Usually, if I'm like on a road trip, or very occasionally, if I get an intense craving. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been in when I go when I travel. I like to go in and look at the menu, just to see how it's different. <laughs> but, but you don't order anything. No, never. I almost broke in China and got a McFlurry <laughs> so close, but I did not. McFlurries are delicious, especially I, if you dip French fries in them. It's I very, heard that. It's very I, important to my livelihood. I yeah. have heard that. Not livelihood, lifestyle. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about employment. Employment yeah. numbers. McDonald's employs 420,000 people in the U.S. And we've heard from some of you. Hello. Yeah. Throughout the year. Hi, we're uh, both waving. Yeah, we're both. Sorry. Um, throughout the year, McDonald's hires a million Americans, which comes out to be a 150% turnover rate. How? Wow. Yeah. The company estimates that one in eight Americans have worked at a McDonald's in their lifetime. Whew. Worldwide, McDonald's has 761,000 employees, and that's more than the population of Luxembourg. Huh. Some of these employees may attend the Hamburger University. Hamburger University. Mm-hmm. The first of these to open was located outside of Chicago, and it has seen over 80,000 students on its roster. There are now seven campuses around the globe with um, over 275,000 graduates, and the one in Shanghai has an acceptance rate of less than 1%. For contrast, the, the acceptance rate at Harvard is like 6%. Yeah. It's harder to get into the Hamburger University in Shanghai, <laughs> and, and it's not—it's not about hamburgers. Well, I mean, I mean, it is, but it isn't. It's a, a restaurant management skills yeah. program. Um, you can graduate with a degree in hamburgerology, oh, or apply credits towards an associate or bachelor's degree at some other non-strictly hamburger-related school. Mm-hmm. If you can find one, <laughs> after a series of protests in 2015. McDonald's raised the minimum wage for its U.S. employees from $9.01 an hour to $9.90 an hour, but only at company-owned restaurants as opposed to the 12,500 franchised-operated locations. The employees at franchise locations typically get the state minimum wage of wherever they are located. And in 2017, Merriam-Webster Dictionary added McJob as a word, meaning low-paying job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Previous CEO was paid nine million dollars that year. Oh, just you know, FYI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On the note of franchisees versus company owned, there is quite a bit of tension, distrust between franchisees and quote unquote the man, the head McDonald's office. A 2015 survey of franchisees found that on a scale of one to five, one being poor and five being excellent, the average was 1.48. That's pretty low. Yeah. The all-time average is 2.1. Not a great relationship, it seems. But it is worth pointing out that only 32 American franchisees were surveyed. Oh, of the 19,000-something-something. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of okay. that rather large, larger sure. number. 
We'll be talking about this a bit more later, briefly, but there is a McDonald's museum in De Plaine, Illinois, or there was. As of recording, it closed two days ago. Oh, what? Yeah. It was scheduled to be demolished due to flooding. If any of you listeners have been to it, please, please, please write in some yeah, pictures. send photos, please. please yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> With 20% of sales, including a toy, since the introduction of the Happy Meal, McDonald's also happens to be the largest toy distributor in the world. That blew my mind. Me too. Now, that is one thing. that well, Young Annie, when she gave up McDonald's, that was the hardest. When well, my brother should be like, look what we got. Oh, look Happy at the Meal. toy I got. And in I'm my... sitting there, no hamburger, no toy. <laughs> <laughs> also, the slogan, I'm loving it. Uh, with that vocal tag, ba da ba ba ba, is an entire Justin Timberlake song from 2003. What? I thought it was way older than that. One and two, the song came out first. He wrote it for Mc. Well, he didn't write it, but it was for well, McDonald's. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it came out first because he. It's this thing called reverse engineering of advertising. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of drama behind it, if you're interested in in that. There's also a clip of Destiny's Child singing it, too. Oh, my God. Uh, mm. <laughs> I watched the music video and was, well, there's no words. <laughs> but there are words for some flops McDonald's has had throughout the years. Um, some of them include the McLean Deluxe, the McHot Dog. <laughs> The McPasta, the McPizza, the McArabia, which was a flatbread with chicken, lettuce, and garlic sauce, hmm. and the McAfrica out of Norway, which was beef and vegetables in a pita. And you can imagine the PR was very not not good. Yeah, Norway probably shouldn't be coming out with a McAfrica, especially in the middle of a... That, that, that was when there was a huge, like... Drought and starvation issues going on. Yeah, it was 2002, and there was a there was a large famine in Africa at the time. So they quickly pooled that one. Well, that's that's good for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, depending on where you are in the world, as I kind of alluded to earlier, you're going to find different things on the menu. In India, where for a large part of the population, cows are sacred, you do not eat them. You're not going to find much beef. Fewer hamburgers, beef hamburgers. Yes, exactly. I would imagine so. Yes. And because McDonald's has become this global force, it has come to symbolize so much more than just a fast food restaurant chain. Oh, yeah. On the positive, more corporate speak <laughs> end of the spectrum, it represents America and American family values, consistency, speed, innovation. Um, and this, as you can imagine, was by the company's design. On the negative end, it represents American cultural imperialism, this nonstop machine of capitalism that has devalued quality and originality for quantity and cheapness. There have been protests, bombings, deaths at McDonald's around the world. Seriously, I read a very in-depth essay about McDonald's in an international affairs class wow. in college. Economist Thomas Friedman named a whole theory about it, uh, the Golden Arches Theory of Conflict Prevention. What? Yeah. He argued that globalization is a force of peace. Oh. And he pointed huh. to the fact that at the time, no two countries with McDonald's in them had ever been to with, with at war with each other. Wow. But uh, in 1999, this changed when the U.S. and NATO bombed Serbia. Both had McDonald's. So kind of a big, it's become a big thing. It, uh, literally yeah. and psychologically 
and yes. culturally very large. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But uh, first, let's get into the history, the, the humble beginnings of how this behemoth started. But even before that, let's get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. I wanted to start this by saying, it is very interesting indeed to read the history of the McDonald's on the McDonald's official website versus pretty much anywhere else. And anyone else writing about it. Yeah, it's... um. Stark. It's very different. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> our story begins with the Great Depression. The Great Depression? Yep. That's where we're going to start. Perfect. Uh, yeah, that's where we always want to start, right? <laughs> there were two brothers from New Hampshire, Richard and Maurice McDonald's, or Dick and Mac. Or uh, McDonald singular. Yeah. Oh. Just the one. Yeah, that, yeah. That's true. It's not, not a pluralized McDonald. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> After their father was fired from a shoe factory, they both got it in their head that they really wanted to be their own bosses. Mm -hmm. And not just that, they wanted to be millionaires. Oh. Millionaires by the time they turned 50. That's ambitious. That's nice. Yeah, very ambitious. There was not a lot of opportunity for millions in their hometown, however. So they packed up and went west to Hollywood, hoping to become big-time producers, movie producers. However... Becoming a big-time producer can be a bit difficult. Weird. Yeah, strange. And they ended up moving movie sets, and no millions were forthcoming. 
They did open a movie theater in Los Angeles, but it didn't last very long, so they sold it in 1937. After their stint in showbiz didn't pan out, they decided to take a swing at the restaurant biz. For their first venture, they made an octagonal open-air structure out of borrowed wood (laughs) near the Foothill Flying Field, or as it was sometimes called, America's Friendliest Airport. (gasps) The area surrounding it attracted all types, whether they were looking to watch planes or hoping to catch a glimpse of someone famous or both. And they made a deal with Sunkist of orange juice fame. This was at the height of orange juice's heyday to buy up their fallen oranges. 20 dozen oranges for a quarter. Wow. Yeah. Okay. They called their stand Aerodrome, and they sold orange juice and hot dogs, which is not It's a pairing that I wouldn't naturally... Sure. Yeah. But it was a a success, enough so to open two more locations. They still had their eyes on that millionaire prize, though, and they thought the future was in automobiles, especially because they thought that the five-day American work week would decrease to four, you know, have more time to drive drive around. Ah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Still waiting on that one. Yeah, not not here yet. Nope. To that end, they spent $200 to slice their stand in half and relocated to San Bernardino, California. And they were able to talk their way into a $5,000 loan May 15th, 1940. Close to historic route 66. They opened McDonald's. The very first McDonald's? The very first. However... It was not a McDonald's that we would recognize or that it's not what we would know today. It was a drive-in, meaning there was very little in the way of seating, and female servers in tight shirts and short skirts and majorette boots would bring food out to your parked car. These outfits were recycled from a local theater, by the way. Ah. Yeah. Then, yeah, then there was their menu. Slow-cooked. Slow-cooked, Lauren. Barbecue. (laughs) And imported hickory chips. The go-to combo was a barbecue sandwich and chips for 35 cents. You could also find things like tamales, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, chili, pork and beans, and yes, a basic burger. As I said before, I haven't been to McDonald's in a long time. I don't know. Maybe that's not super weird now. Uh, That's super weird. Okay, cool. At American locations. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely not what they're known for. Um, This first iteration of McDonald's was a success with up to 125 cars in the parking lot on the weekends. But Dick and Mac were looking to differentiate their business from the crowd after increased drive-in competition post-World War II. Ah, And they noticed that the hamburger accounted for 80% of their sales. Hmm. So they started chipping away at the menu, and the more items they got rid of, the more hamburgers they sold. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. The brothers also noticed... Well, they kind of came to the conclusion that the drive-in concept was unwieldy. It was slow and disorganized and had a lot of overhead. On top of that, the customer base of rowdy, littering, jukebox-listening, smoking, kiss, and or sex-having teenagers (sighs) was scaring off the family values crowd. In 1948, they closed their doors for a three-month redesign. And there was some laying out and choreographing with red chalk on a tennis court involved. And when they reopened, they were a drive-in restaurant no more. Hmm. Where once there had been bellhops, there were now self-service counters. Where once there had been plates and silverware and a dishwasher, there were now paper wrappings and cups and no dishwasher. Where once there had been barbecue and tamales, there were now only nine items. 
Hamburgers, cheeseburgers, chips, pie, milk, coffee, and three flavors of soft drinks available only in one 12-ounce size. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and they were really focused on speed. And they got the idea to adapt Henry Ford's automobile assembly line for their restaurant with what they called the speedy service system. Speedy. So many E's involved. Yes, yeah. there are a lot of E's. <laughs> Here's how it worked. There were t- 12 employees, all male, and each specialized in a specific thing. A lot of the food was already made to save time and also to save time. All the burgers were the same. Ketchup, mustard, both dispensed from a custom-made dispenser. Not one but two pickles. And onions. If you wanted something else, you'd just have to wait, Buster. <laughs> <laughs> this efficiency and lack of choice meant that orders were frequently ready before they were placed. And you could see inside, too, to marvel as your food was being made. Grill to counter in 30 seconds, they said. Sounding a bit more like the McDonald's we know, right? Yeah. Wrong! Oh. No, you're right. <laughs> the story goes that their first customer was a nine-year-old girl who bought a bag of burgers. But there were problems. 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 One, the fired car ops would park outside and heckle. <laughs> yeah. Two, customers were confused about the self-service counter. And the silverware. Where's the silverware? Where do we sit? Questions. Confusion. Hmm. So what did the brothers do? Uh, what we all do in times of crisis. Add some french fries and milkshake. Oh. Makes everything better. It does. The milkshakes were triple thick, by the way. Triple thick. I know. <laughs> and that milkshake bought everybody to the yard. <laughs> or the self-service <laughs> counter, perhaps, is more accurate. And the 15-cent hamburgers didn't hurt either. And they were one of the first in the industry to use infrared heat lamps to keep their fries warm. The fries were special. I'm sure I probably don't need to tell you that. (laughs) Um, Max spent a lot of time trying to pin down the method to get perfect crunchy fries, and he eventually arrived at drying out Idaho potatoes in the desert. Wow. Mm -hmm, To bring out the sugars. There was a very specific timing involved as well. Yeah. That's still part of what they do today. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dick was the inventor of the two, and apart from the speedy system, he came up with the golden arches, you know, the the rounded curves at the top of the M and the logo. Mm-hmm. And they, they used to kind of, like, bookend the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not so anymore, but that was his original vision. By the 1950s, McDonald's was making $350,000 a year, thanks to reduced labor cost and their clientele of mostly families and businessmen. Mm-hmm. They passed the 100 million hamburger mark. By 1958. And as part of their success, they attracted a lot of imitators. How did they deal with these imitators? Oh, they were like, come at me, bro. (laughs) (laughs) They'd give potential competitors tours. They'd give them details when asked. Yeah. Then they realized that they could sell their formula and get some extra cash. So when Primex, the company that McDonald's gets its, or got its shortening from, published an article about the French fries at McDonald's in American Restaurant, which is an industry magazine. The brothers ran an ad in the same issue that read, the most important 60 seconds of your entire life. Wow. Yeah. Huh. A lot of dishonest folks tried to copy the brothers' success. Most of them failed. But some honest ones tried to franchise it, like Neil Fox, who was an oil executive from Phoenix. He paid $950 to franchise, largely because he thought the name was lucky, in his words. Mm-hmm. Not wrong. Well, no, apparently not. Suppose not. Oh, yeah, well, this got him, the $950 got him a training 
blueprint, a manual, a structure with the two golden arches, um, and the works of how to make a McDonald's work. Only for each of the six franchise locations they tested, it it didn't work. Oh. Not like the brothers wanted it to anyway. Um, And that might be why when Carnation of Carnation Milk came in and offered to erect McDonald's all across the U.S., they turned it down. Max said about the choice, more places, more problems. But McDonald's are pretty much everywhere now, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So how did that happen? Well, McDonald's attracted one particular person we have to talk about. And it brings us back to those milkshakes, which played an integral role in what McDonald's would become. But first, one last quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles. Ready for next day installation. And all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today. To schedule a free in-home estimate. Or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, the year was 1954, Ooh. and one Ray Kroc, a 52-year-old second-generation immigrant from Czechoslovakia, was having a hard time of things. Oh, no. Yeah. He had been working as a middlingly successful traveling salesman for about 30 years, peddling paper products and kitchen equipment to independent restaurants around the country. At the time, his product was Prince Castle Multimixer Milkshake Machines, <laughs> which were mean? being run out of business by a competitor. Oh, no. Mm. Uh, he had a good turn of luck, though, when he sold not just one, but eight machines to this hamburger shop in San Bernardino. The owners needed the capacity to make 40 milkshakes all at one go. And he was curious. So Ray Kroc uh, packed a bag and went down to check out McDonald's, 
he was so impressed by the business model. He later said about his visit to this restaurant, when I saw it working that day in 1954, I felt like some latter-day Newton who had just had an Idaho potato caromed off his skull. Wow. <laughs> uh, he, you know, Crock had spent 30 years watching what works and doesn't at low-end dining establishments, and he, like so many others, saw that the McDonald brothers really had something here. So went back to his hotel, thought about it, came back the next day, and made them a franchising offer. Wow. Which they refused. (laughs) And here's the, like, sliding doors alternate reality moment where you're, like, this close to never having tasted a McDonald's fry. But Croc did not go home. Instead, he countered and he cajoled, and eventually he convinced the McDonald brothers that he could make a franchise model work for them. He opened up the first experimental offshoot in 1955 in Des Plaines, Illinois, in Des Plaines, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago neighboring the suburb where Croc lived. And if you're wondering what it takes to build uh, two stores into one of the biggest international businesses on the planet, the answer is a good idea and total obsession. Ooh. Yeah. Croc took the concepts of precision and reproducibility started by the McDonald brothers and expanded them both in terms of the food and the franchises. He specified McDonald's hamburger as being 1.6 ounces with a diameter of 3.875 inches and a fat content below 19%. He built a laboratory to devise the perfect batch of French fries. He (laughs) He created a method to allow two stores at opposite ends of the country to deliver an identical platter to customers down to the size of a mustard dollop on the burger bun. When he sold franchises, and he would sell 79 of them in the first three years, he wasn't selling a name and some recipes. He was, he was selling an entire operating system. At that original location, he personally scraped gum off of the parking lot pavement. He often said, there's a bunch of things he often said, uh, I believe in God, family, and McDonald's. And in the office, that order is reversed. <laughs> he is quite quotable. <laughs> He's amazingly quotable. Uh, um, but he wasn't making money due to the terms of this original deal that he had made with the McDonald's brothers. Under financial advisement, Kroc incorporated another engine into this business. Under a subsidiary he named the Franchise Realty Corporation, he began leasing up land for potential for potential store sites, which could then be subleased to franchisees at huge markups, mm. both making him lots of cash and giving him greater control over the stores in the long run, because as landlord, he could work in all kinds of terms into these franchise agreements. This is still a major source of the company's income, by the way. They've got $30 billion in real estate assets today. Wow. I did like a full mouth agape expression <laughs> at that. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, tension was growing between Croc and the McDonald brothers, who were not living up to Croc's ambitious vision. Uh, Croc could have sold his shares and started a competing franchise, But he wanted that name, that lucky name. So in 1961, he changed the name of his land subsidiary to the McDonald's Corporation and then demanded that the brothers sell out to him. Wow. And it worked. (laughs) It worked. He had to go $2.7 million into debt in order to to pay them out. But Wow. (laughs) Persistence and obsession. Yeah. Croc said about this. But I guess there was no way out. I needed the McDonald name and those golden arches. 
What are you going to do with a name like Croc? Which is kind of ironic now. <laughs> Shoes. The brothers also demanded to keep the original location as part of the contract, albeit under a different name, the Big M. Big M. Mm-hmm. Croc was so bitter about this, he put up a McDonald's around the block. He says it was right across the street. There's a lot of contention about this. It's I, like down the street. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's close. Not, yeah. It was close. Uh-huh. The big game closed six years later. There's contention about this. Uh, contention about this as well. The brothers say they just retire. He says he ran them out of business. <laughs> <laughs> Croc called the McDonald's in Des Plaines the first McDonald's and gave himself the title of the founder of McDonald's. Yeah, there's still plaques on Uh-oh. the wall in McDonald's's. Yeah. Every year on Founders Day, which I guess is a thing McDonald's celebrates, McDonald's honors him. <laughs> and it wasn't until 1991 they started honoring the McDonald's brothers, too. Oh. Mac died of heart failure in 1971, and they, or people who knew him said it was in part due to the stress of the whole thing. Dick died in 1998, and in his office was an engraved golden spatula used to cook the 50 billionth McDonald's burger, a framed 1973 Time magazine cover featuring... The Hamburger Empire, and a commemorative McDonald's pin set, among other McDonald's memorabilia. Oh. Yeah, that that was like the saddest. <sighs> well, anyway, Croc lived in Beverly Hills huh. and purchased the San Diego baseball team, the Padres. Oh. Um, Croc once said, here's another great quote from him, If any of my competitors were drowning, I'd stick a hose in their mouth and turn on the water. <laughs> <laughs> he also once said of the McDonald brothers... I closed the door to my office and I paced up and down the floor, calling them every kind of son of a bitch there was. I was so mad I wanted to throw a vase through the window. I hated their guts. This this is bananas. Yeah. Uh, and is also the subject of last year's film, The Founder, starring Michael Keaton as Croc, uh, which is the, the inspiration for this episode, actually. And I uh, got to check it out on an airplane and... So, hence, yeah. oh, welcome to our McDonald's episode. Uh, <laughs> the film, which is based on both Croc's autobiography and an unofficial biography, posits that Croc included in this deal with the McDonald's brothers a 1% annual royalty clause as a handshake deal. Yeah. Which was never put in writing and never honored. Yeah. By 2012, just so you know, that would have been $305 million a year. Oh, Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway, yep. Moving on. From from there, uh, Croc and one of his original burger flippers, one Fred Turner, opened up the first iteration of Hamburger University, teaching their gospel, quality, service, cleanliness, and value. <laughs> and also the three-legged stool business model, which places equal responsibility on the company's suppliers, the franchise owners and operators, and their employees. But as much as Croc demanded exaction, he also encouraged creativity and invention in his franchisees, as long as they passed their successes back up the chain. Of course. And the success of McDonald's was copied quickly. Burger King and KFC opened in 1952, Carl's Jr. in 1956, and Taco Bell in 1962. In the 60s, seating was added to McDonald's restaurants, and then a drive through window after Wendy's successfully incorporated one in 1969. The original Ronald McDonald, then known as the Hamburger Happy Clown, <laughs> debuted in 1963. Uh, the idea for him came from a sponsorship that two Washington, D.C. franchisees entered into with the locally produced television show Bozo's Circus. 
when the station canceled the show, the local store owners hired on the show's star, one Willard Scott, to create a new clown character just for them. Huh. But he was let go and replaced in 1966 due to being too stocky and thus difficult to find similar body types for birthday parties and other appearances. I have to say I watched the commercial he appeared in and I was like, okay. That's not Ronald. (laughs) I did have uh, one of those parties, you know, they had the caboose. Oh, yeah. When I was four, that was, maybe that was one of the reasons. Oh. Because the clown was laughing in my face and I didn't like clowns. Oh, sure. I had a... Another incident with a clown where I pushed this guy dressed as the Joker in a pool. Anyway, back to McDonald's episode. (laughs) Okay. By 1965, McDonald's had 710 locations and the company went public. Ten years to the day after Croc's original franchise had opened. It was a huge financial success. But, as Croc often said, a laurel rested upon quickly wilts. Oh, this guy. To promote the brand in 1967, he spent about 1% of the company's sales, some $2.3 million, on nationwide advertising, which was totally unheard of for a brand to do at the time. Um, And that's where we got the rest of the McDonald land denizens, (laughs) Mayor McCheese and the Hamburglar, Grimace, all those great people. We had an interesting conversation about this before recording, about what Grimace is. We have many questions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Producer Dylan specifically has, you know... Conspiracy uh-huh. theories. Yeah. Like, like what's what's the political structure in McDonald land? Do you know? Does anyone? Mm. Mm. Right in. Right in if you do. <laughs> Ad- advertising would become such a huge part of McDonald's business that another crockism was... We're not in the hamburger business. We're in show business. And I like how I'm just slowly creeping into the transatlantic accent you, for yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> it, it seems to fit for this the personality we're getting through these quotes in a way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 1967 is also the year that one franchise in Pittsburgh tested a new sandwich, the Aristocrat. Ooh. Which was eventually renamed the Big Mac. Ooh. Uh, Other franchisees would contribute enduring menu items from the Egg McMuffin to the Filet-O-Fish over the next couple of years. By 1971, there were over 2,000 locations throughout the United States and stores opening in Japan and Germany. Axis powers, not sure why. Uh, Then they expanded throughout Europe, Asia, and South America, a thousand stores overseas by the end of the decade. The company was growing 27% year over year. And this is when it became this this international symbol of American capitalism and cultural imperialism. Um, in San Salvador in 1979, these guerrilla Marxists blew up one location, calling it an act against imperialist America. Hmm. And that is some kind of success for a burger joint. Yeah. Kroc had given over the office of chief executive by then to his right-hand man, Fred Turner. Though legend has it that Kroc would do surprise inspections at locations wherever he traveled until his death in 1984. I completely believe it. (laughs) I have no doubt in my mind he's the the type of guy that would do that. Uh, His... um, his family fortune went to his third wife, Joan, who would donate vast amounts of it um, to various various charitable causes, $235 million to NPR, $2 billion oh. to the Salvation Army. 
um, and related, the Re- Ronald McDonald's House Charities got its start in 1987. Uh, they'd begun as a single facility in 1974, a residence for families to stay in so that they could be near their kids during those kids' lengthy hospital stays for conditions like leukemia. Yeah. Under Turner, though, the company shifted to further reinforce its family-friendly reputation. They increased that indoor seating and debuted the Happy Meal mm-hmm. with a toy, the industry's first kids' meal, complete with sponsorship tie-in opportunities. Oh, yeah. Uh, they'd later land a plum deal with Disney to market upcoming and classic kids' films, and that relationship continues lucratively to this day. Well, those toys. Oh, Yeah. They were always terrible toys. I mean, some of them were, I still have a little transforming burger that I'm really happy about. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, the Chicken McNugget debuted in 1983 based on Turner's idea that to make fried chicken work, which they had been trying and, and hadn't happened up until then, they needed something more snacky, like French fries, than mm. some kind of direct competitor of rival fast food franchise, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh. The first McDonald's that opened in Soviet Russia in 1990 is credited by some historians as having eased the fall of the Soviet Union, (laughs) presenting what was then a luxuriously expensive yet attainable bit of American proletariat comfort. You know, I'm sad about all the... Our government collapsing, but these French fries... But these, you know, but this is... But this, I think things are going to be okay because, you know... Milkshake and French fries. Milkshake and French fries. Mm Mm-hmm. Also in the 1990s, McDonald's started acquiring and and or seriously investing in a number of those fast, casual restaurant concepts like oh. Chipotle and Boston Market. They would later uh, divest their interest in those things in the 2000s. In 2009, they opened a Mickey D's location in the Louvre. A different type of culture. Yeah, yes. Mm. Uh, they also brought in a line of coffee and espresso drinks, Mick Cafe, to rival the posh coffee house industry. Which I call Stealth McDonald's. Stealth McDonald's. Uh, some, some economists use the Big Mac as a measure of a country's financial strength. It's called the Big Mac Index. <laughs> of course it is. And it compares the prices of, of the sandwich, the Big Mac sandwich, in different countries, and then uses that to gauge a currency's relative purchasing power. That's really interesting. But along with all of this bizarre success came rising controversy about the brand's practices. After all, you know, if you're serving billions of burgers per day, that's a whole lot of supply and a whole lot of labor. As of 2014, one of McDonald's burger plants in California processed 400,000 pounds of meat per day to be frozen and distributed to stores. As of 2011, the company was buying more than 3.4 billion pounds of American potatoes every year. With digital and internet-connected kitchen technologies, they've been able to start turning their restaurants into a big data stream about how their employees and how their customers work. Make make no mistake, y'all, like this this is a company with an absolutely insane amount of influence and power. Yeah. And that has made them a target for all kinds of criticism. And lawsuits. Mm-hmm. You've got that derisive term, the Mick job. Yeah. Uh, there was a huge lawsuit with a couple of folks affiliated with Greenpeace referred to as Mick Libel. <laughs> you just put Mick in front of everything. They do. Uh, there was a film, Supersize Me, in 2004, that uh, documentary where a guy ate nothing but McDonald's for a month to make a point about the lack of nutritional value in this incredibly popular and widespread food. Yeah. 
Although in 2012, they would begin posting nutrition information online and in stores ahead of national requirements. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's something. Uh, then there was a book, Fast Food Nation, in 2001, and a documentary, Food Inc., in 2008, both about the, the, the greed and the evils of industrial farming practices used by McDonald's and, and other similar companies. Mm-hmm. Industrial farming is a whole other thing that we're going to need to do a depressing episode about. Yeah. Uh, For example, until 2007, the farm workers who picked McDonald's tomatoes in Florida were earning about 40 cents per 32-pound bucket picked. Uh, When McDonald's and other companies started paying an extra penny per pound, it doubled their wages. Still only 72 cents or something like that per 32-pound bucket, but an improvement... Man, that's <laughs> my um, my dad used to get mad when he'd get a bank statement and uh, the interest would be one penny. He'd oh, get yeah. Serious. Yeah. That's that's ridiculous. Um, in uh, I, you know, it, it, it seems like it seems like McDonald's is one of the companies that is trying mm-hmm. to either make things better or to make it look like they're making things better. <laughs> It's hard. It's hard to really break it down. Um, in 2012, they said that they had helped end restrictive caging of pigs on the farms that they support. And in 2015, they pledged to switch to cage-free eggs entirely over the next decade. Okay. Uh, and yeah, that more or less brings us into this, our modern era of McDonald's, as discussed at the top of the show. They're trying... All sorts of things still to streamline efficiency even more and improve sales, get them out of their slump. Uh, there's there's a new mobile ordering platform supposedly in the works. Oh. Uh, breakfast all day. <laughs> uh, digital self-service kiosks and tableside tablets to place orders for those fries that you forgot. Non-frozen beef for your quarter pounders. I got a message about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I haven't been to McDonald's in so long. I didn't. I didn't realize. I should have known. It's all yeah. It's all frozen patties. They they produce them in these plants and they mm-hmm. freeze them. They flash freeze them and they send them to all of their stores. But they, yeah, they're experimenting with fresh beef. My goodness. Oh my goodness. What won't what won't they think of next? It's called the Arches Burger, isn't it? Something like that. Oh, I'm not. I I didn't. I honestly didn't read the entire press release. Um, I remember when people were so upset about that breakfast thing. I can't get your. What McGriddle? Yeah, yeah. After after eleven o'clock in the morning, <laughs> oh. it totally switches over. Really? And and if you if it's eleven o one and you want a McGriddle, eh, nothing for it. Hey, speed, speed, speed! <laughs> McDonald's is you want your food quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, twenty four hours a day now, or uh, you know, for as long Where, as their service for lasts. as long as yeah. Yeah. Speaking of our modern day McDonald's, mm-hmm. what about robots? Let's talk about robots. Robot. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, so so we've we've talked a little bit about some of the science issues wrapped up. That's going to be a pun in a second <laughs> around McDonald's in other episodes. Um, the the possibility of robotic automation replacing human workers in restaurants. Um, the the that a little bit more about that in the tipping episode. Though we really have to do a whole robot. I cannot wait. Automation. Some a listener sent us. Uh, a message about this, how yeah. they were using robots. They're like testing it out at some location somewhere. Um, so yes, I'm very excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, robotic, it. robotic fry baskets, uh, robotic burger flippers, like like mm-hmm. literal like spatula 
things. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Um, uh, and oh, also, um, the, the harmful compounds that have been used in McDonald's burger wrappings. Right. Here the pun comes to fruition. Ah. Uh, yeah. Um, worth um, the wait. <laughs> that one's, that one's, I talk all about it in our popcorn episode. Yeah. The, the end of the statement is, uh, don't, I mean, it's not great. No. People should really stop using those those chemicals. Maybe I mean I don't definitely don't burn the a McDonald's burger wrapper and then breathe in the fumes. Okay, that's that is a tip you can walk away. Yes, this episode <laughs> with <laughs> that is something actionable. I yeah. can tell you. But that's also part of why they've they've switched over from those those uh, soft paper wrappers to the kind of more structured cardboard um, tubs. For their for their sandwiches, <laughs> which it, you you have I no idea know. what I'm talking about, no but they but they've made that switch. Okay, they're in little cardboard boxes now. I, I feel like I just want to go into McDonald's and look around and weird people out. Ooh. We Ooh. <laughs> we have we, we I can see one from my desk. Can you really? Yeah, there's there's one like right down the street. I feel like I just don't even see them anymore. <laughs> like it's not an option. We'll never go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so health, health, we probably don't have to tell you eating at McDonald's is not a health choice that you're making. No. 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 Even if you get like, well, yeah, the salads don't fall for it. It's generally. Well, I mean, the the salad alone is fine, but, but read the nutritional information about the dressing because if you use the whole packet of dressing, it's basically a higher fat content than you would get from ordering like the chicken nuggets. Right. Um, but I would like to say fast food has been really demonized and definitely is not something you should be eating often. But, um, I mean, there's a high salt, high fat. If you're someone who needs to be monitoring that high sugar, high calorie. However, make sure that when you're reaching for your healthier choice, it isn't something worse. Because a lot of things that are marketed as healthier things like perhaps your salad with your dressing, um, they're on par with fast food, or they could be even worse. Um, just, I, I read an article about um, like some tofu dish at Whole Foods, which you know you're like, oh tofu, oh tofu, brilliant. It, it was the same as a oh, Big wow. Mac. So huh. I mean, just be aware. It's definitely not a health choice, but if that's but if that's what's there, and you yeah. know, in moderation. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a treat. Yeah. Just educate yourself, as we always say. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what about, okay, so this is my, this this is one of my favorite weird pop culture things. When, whenever you think about McDonald's, this comes up. The burgers don't rot. What? They, they, someone, someone put one out for like years and it looks the same. And that, and what is it? Is it, is it doing that in my body? There's just un- un- burgers, whole burgers. just sitting Yeah, there. just sitting there. Okay. I've never heard of this, but it was one of the first things that came up when I was searching McDonald's. So in 1996, if people are like me, haven't heard of it, uh, a wellness speaker and consultant brought a McDonald's burger. She bought one. It never rotted. To this day, or at least until recently, she used it as prop during her wellness talks. Mm -hmm. She'd pull out this, like, whole burger that she bought in 1996, (laughs) and it had only a little patch of mold on it. Uh, And others have copied it. 
BuzzFeed posted a video demonstrating the same thing in 2014, although they only gave it 30 days. I mean, only 30. Oh, not a, not a decade. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they, Lazy. Come on. <laughs> they tested a bunch of fast food burgers, <laughs> so not just McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And they also showed basically the same results. Huh. But don't panic. No. Yes. Okay. The managing blog director at Sirius Eats put his restaurant training to the test, the ultimate test, the test of his lifetime, I'm sure, to get to the bottom <laughs> of this. He had, in his mind, there were five possible culprits. Preservatives, a high salt content, a low moisture content, no air during preparation, or no contact with mold spores. Those last two were pretty much impossible, so they were quickly discarded. He made nine different burger combinations, some homemade, some from McDonald's, and then did a like mix and match of store-bought stuff and McDonald's patty and just a bunch of different options. Some with salt, some not, different types of packaging. He never came into contact with any of the burgers, and he left them out in open air for three weeks. None of them rotted. Oh. Yeah. uh, He concluded the moisture was the key. In the first week, the patties lost about 25% of their weight. Moisture. Um, They dried out, basically. And without moisture, there's no mold. The patties at McDonald's are really thin, so they have a lot of surface area, and they dry out quickly. And that's kind of like what is going on with beef jerky. Oh. So so it's like a really slow processed beef jerky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So interesting interesting experiment perhaps to yeah. try. Yeah. That's <laughs> I feel I feel better about that. Yeah. That's um that's our McDonald's episode. Yeah. Uh oh. It's I can't help but be impressed, even if I have problems with some practices but they built this thing it's huge yeah it's impressed impressed is the correct word i am very impressed and i still and i and i was i was looking you guys but it is really hard to find like they keep their technological secrets really under wraps like they really don't want you to know what's going on in the plants and and uh and how they make everything the way that they make it which is great. Yeah. Uh, as part of one of their like marketing stints, they got uh, Grant Imahara, who had been on yeah. MythBusters, to come and take a tour of one of their plants, and uh, and that was supposedly the first time that cameras had ever been allowed in there. Right. That was in 2014, I want to say. If you want to go check out that video, <sighs> it's kind of terrifying. It is. I had never thought of, I, I never thought about being terrified by McDonald's before, but. <laughs> When I realized the exact scope of, of the of control that they have over the farming yeah. industry, oh, yeah. I was like, oh. So many industries they touch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just just one little extra fact to end this on. I, I'm fairly certain they are not the first fast food restaurant. It was White Castle. Oh. Yeah. Well, there I, you go. Yeah. They were kind of the first. The speedy system was really original. Mm-hmm. But White Castle came along first. We'll have to do another thing on that one. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But this brings us to listener Listener mail. (laughs) Matt wrote on Facebook, after listening to your podcast about New Year's Day traditions, I want to share with you a tradition that my friends and family call Nacho Day. Nacho Day. Already in, I'm in 100%. (laughs) Ten years ago, my close friend was a chef at a local restaurant, and I spent New Year's Day obnoxiously teasing him about how his nachos were too expensive. He got annoyed and challenged me to go a year without eating nachos at his restaurant. 
I accepted the challenge and set the terms that if I won, he would pay for nachos for me, an unlimited guest, on New Year's Day the rest of the year. I won. The first year, we ordered 25 trays of nachos and had 50 guests. This wager has turned into an annual event where friends, family, and local nacho enthusiasts all gather at the same restaurant every day, New Year's Day. Nacho Day has grown into an event that has 100-plus guests, including the many kids who have arrived in the last 10 years, and close to 50 plates of nachos every year. There have been circumstances that almost ended the streak, and one year of fire forced relocation, oh, but no. the tradition has remained, remained for 10 years. It has become our own special weird and delicious way to ring in the new year. Oh. Invite us. Please invite us. Yes. Nacho Day. Nacho. That is great. That is a great one. And good for you for setting terms <laughs> and sticking it out because now unlimited, unlimited Nachos. guests. Nachos, yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. That is. Since this episode is about McDonald's, we thought we'd read uh, some of a detailed account from Tyler, who was a former employee. Mm-hmm. I worked with an old McSage who used some kind of black magic to turn hamburger buns into donuts. I went through a strawberry jam phase and enjoyed many a jelly donut before being forbidden from making them by our owners. The higher McPowers do not take lightly to folks who use their product to create actual food. In addition to donuts, I have seen managers take stacks of beef patties and chop them up on the grill to make ground beef, then transfer into a pan filled with McRib sauce and serve it as a sloppy joe. Oh, Oh, that sounds good. (laughs) Um, There are just so many fundamental ingredients on hand at all times that if you spend 40 to 60 hours a week in the store and get all your on-the-clock meals for free, you can get super creative. I never thought about it, but yeah, I I guess so. He sent us quite the long email, and it was excellent. And it included tales of fryer horrors and (laughs) people eating flies and just... It was great. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the face that Annie is making isn't always the face that she makes when she says things are great. But in this case, she means it very sincerely. Yes, it was lovely. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Please, if you have any McDonald's stories or any other stories, thoughts, suggestions, you can email us. Our email address is foodstuff at howstuffworks dot com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Foodstuff HSW. We're also on Instagram at Foodstuff. Uh, thank you so much to our super producer Dylan Fagan, who is wearing such a fuzzy sweater today. He is. It looks it looks great. It does. Um, uh, <laughs> thanks to y'all for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me 
some sea life. Give me museums. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.